If you're a cannabis business owner looking to expand into new markets and need guidance and support you can trust, consider Collateral Base, a group that has done it before in multiple merit-based and limited market states. Collateral Base was founded by an experienced cannabis attorney with highly educated consultants with master's degrees and years of experience in the cannabis industry. The Collateral Base team is confident they know cannabis licensing better than any of their peers. And I encourage you to see for yourself. It just takes one phone call. If you're ready to expand your cannabis business into new limited markets, contact Collateral Base today at 309-306-1095. That's 309-306-1095. Or visit collateralbase.com. Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA Kit by Endocana Health. I did this years ago, and it continues to empower me to get nerdy with my cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the EndoDNA Collection Kit, EndoDecoded Report, Personalized Cannabinoid and Terpene Suggestions, EndoAligned Product Matching in Your State, Suggested Dosage Guidelines, and Optimum Methods of Administration. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a BOGO offer on their Effica Soft Gels lineup. Since so many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Effica Unwind, created to support healthy sleep cycles using a patented proprietary formulation of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are made of this. So buy one, get one, my friend. You can shop online at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at checkout to save 25% on your DNA test kit. Welcome. You're listening to Casually Baked, the podcast. Home base for the can of curious. Thanks for tuning in. It's high time. We had a high time. Together. Together. Yes, it's high time. We had a high time. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, your host and cannabis lifestyle guide. Like so many of you and the cannabis industry at large, I'm up to my eyeballs in transition. That said, I'm making some changes to the format and timing of the podcast. I have a couple more episodes up my sleeve to roll out for you in May before I hit pause and cross the finish slash starting line on a couple of business endeavors that really need my focus. I've been flying solo on the production of the show since leaving my Oakland studio a couple of years ago. And I simply don't have the bandwidth to do it all well enough for my standards. That's one of the reasons Casually Baked joined the PodConnects network. Having a support system is critical for me to stay motivated and agile enough to jump the hurdles that inevitably come up. And because I consistently receive requests to bring back the video version of the podcast, when it comes to Casually Baked, my focus is on a video solution that's enjoyable and turnkey for me 
and edutaining for you. So, through PodConnects, I've worked out a summer residency at a recording studio in Vail, Colorado. I'm now booking in-real-life interviews for August and September. Please reach out to recommend your favorite cannabis cultivators, brands, industry changemakers, and culture creators to join me on the set of Casually Baked TV. And I'll roll out a fresh season of Casually Baked in the fall. Email through the website at casuallybaked.com or DM me on social. When I'm there, I'm at Casually Baked on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and Truth Social. I also want to give a shout out to Caitlin Jensen. I did receive your letter in mid-March, and I did read the whole thing, I promise, twice. I'm proud of you and what you're doing. Getting paid to be yourself and paying forward the lessons you've learned is the gift that keeps on giving. It's not always easy, but the most rewarding things aren't. And yes, I am available to mentor you on how to approach potential collaborative partners and effective ways to engage and grow your network. Click the gray schedule appointment button at the top of my website at casuallybaked.com and sign up for a free 15-minute consult to discuss next steps. That brings me back to the idea of transition and today's podcast. On a somewhat recent encounter out in the wild, I met today's guest. I resonated with his words and energy, and I went down the rabbit hole of thinking about my thinking and the stories that I tell about the situations in my life. I also began examining more closely the language that I use about the future of the cannabis industry. Mark England is the co-founder and head coach of Enlifted. For the past 16 years, Mark has researched, presented, and coached others on the power of words and stories. Mark holds a master's degree in education and was an elementary school PE teacher before shifting into personal development. At Enlifted, Mark and his team certify coaches on how to dismantle the victim mentality and then what to do when their clients are on the other side of that. Prior to Enlifted, Mark co-founded Procabulary, the language-focused training course that I took, which details out the language patterns most often used that work against us. In today's podcast, we discuss those patterns, learned helplessness, how to recognize the victim mentality, and how to make shifts in your thinking and language choices in order to manifest what you want in your life. And Mark shares how our words influence us for better and for worse on a mechanical macro level. But first, a word from our sponsor, MJ Relief, the CBD-infused muscle rub, PhD designed for what aches and pains you. Our challenge was to choose an entourage of ingredients, all with anti-inflammatory, pain-relieving, and or skin-soothing qualities. MJ is made by women, strong enough for performance athletes, and gentle enough for sensitive skin. Explore our ingredients and support your body and my small business at mjskinrelief.com. You'll always save 10% using promo code CASUALLYBAKED, all one word, at checkout. That's MJSkin, R-E-L-I-E-F dot com. Promo code CASUALLYBAKED. And if you're listening on your phone, scroll down in the podcast app you're using to see the episode notes where you'll find links to this offer and more from other Casually Baked partner brands. Shopping podcast affiliates is a win-win because you saving money on the things you want supports the production of this show. 
It's the friend economy in action. Now, if you have habitual thoughts that aren't serving you, this podcast is for you. It's also for the positive evolution of the cannabis industry and our culture. Mark and I workshop a sentence that I tend to repeat a lot that doesn't serve the future of cannabis that I want to see. By the end of this chat, I suspect you'll be curiously analyzing your own internal and external dialogue. And that, my friend, is the gateway to getting more of what you want in life. So smoke them if you got them and settle in. It's time to get casually baked. Hey, music lovers. The Cannamom Show podcast, in collaboration with Lambkin Guitars, is giving away a custom-built, one-of-a-kind electric guitar built by Josh Lampkin. The solid one-piece hemp wood body includes a built-in glass bowl piece. Yeah, you heard me right. You can take a hit and then play a lick. Now's your chance to help the Cannamom Show crush cannabis stigma with your entry. Register for the Hemp Guitar Giveaway online at LampkinGuitars.com. That's L-A-M-K-I-N Guitars.com. The drawing will be part of a 420 celebration at the Goods Dispensary in Somerville, Massachusetts, where the guitar is on display for the month of April. But don't worry, you don't have to live in Mass or be present to win. Visit LampkinGuitars.com to scope out the Hemp Guitar giveaway details and entry form. You'll even find a video of what could be your guitar in action. L-A-M-K-I-N Guitars.com It's high time We had a high time Together Together Good morning, Mark England. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. It's, it's an even earlier grand rising for you, Joe. Thanks for yes. having me on, too. Yeah. I, I'm PJ's on from the bottom. <laughs> all good. <laughs> all good. Yes. I was like, oh my gosh, am I going to need to reschedule? But I'm just like, Joanna, get up, start your day early. Let's do this. So. Thank you for getting me up and moving so early. <laughs> my pleasure. Yeah, I got up and went on my walk this morning, which I tend to do, and uh, did one of our level one one-on-one coaching sessions for for our cert from from eight to nine fifty-six, and uh, yeah, and we rolled right into this with you. So right on. Yeah. So. I randomly and serendipitously, I would say, met you in my small, sweet community of Lockhart, Texas. Um, You breezed into the Good Things grocery store, and within a few seconds of seeing you and our engagement, I'm like, I need to know this man, and I want him on my podcast. (laughs) I had the same vibe walking into the the coffee shop. I had a coffee in my hand. It's half done. It's still warm. And I walked past the coffee shop and saw you all sitting in there. And I was like, I need to go in there. So I went in there. I didn't ask any questions. I just, I did what I was told. I love it. Well, one of the things that I learned about you that day is you have one very serious favorite word that you use a lot. So I think that's a great place to get this conversation kicked off. So tell everybody what your favorite word is, what it means, and what wormhole that sent you down. Yep. So, um, 2012, I'm, I'm living in, in Vilcabamba, Ecuador, minding my own business. 
it's a very cool community up in the Andes mountains, about 45 minutes from the Southern border, uh, with Peru. And I'm out to lunch with friends. And one of the guys there, he, he knew what I was into helping people with words and stories, changing words and stories, changing words, changing stories, changing identities. And he goes, Hey, Mark, you know what abracadabra means? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Magic. He goes, no, no, it's a lot cooler than that. And he goes, uh, abracadabra is Aramaic and it translates to with my word, I create or with my words, I influence. And I got the hairs on the arms, the hairs on the back of the head, the back of the neck. And I put my fork down and got up and cause he was at the end of the table. It was about eight of us out for lunch. And I sat down and I said, tell me everything. And uh, I had one made. The teachers of the day would triangulate abracadabra. Y'all can look this up. Wear it around their neck to remind them of the power and the mechanism of the spoken word because they were smart. They knew that, oh, hey, if my words are working against me, then whatever I want to go do is going to be harder than it has to be. And if I get my words working for me, then I can move mountains. Amen. So yes, words create our reality. And the thing that I have always said to myself are my thoughts become things. But, you know, one step further and more powerful than that are what are the things that actually come out of your mouth? And you you gifted me a course, vocabulary before we had this discussion so that you and I could be on the same page when we're talking. And you can't unlearn things when these things come to you. And so now I walk around noticing the language that others are using around me, the things I'm saying. And it's, it's a really, really powerful tool to just be mindful about the things that you say, but even more so doing, and thank you for that gift because it truly is a gift that will serve me for the rest of my life. But really understanding the energy that we bring into conversations with our words and becoming more of an architect of, of the things that we're saying and trying to um, empower us to, as you say, move mountains. So can you talk a little bit about the concept of vocabulary and the practice of consciously choosing these words? Our man, Alan Watts, said it. I love a, I love a good quote. I love a good one liner, <laughs> you know, it's just, it, it, it's, it makes things simple. He said, when we learn to think about our thinking, we become alive in a new way. And most people are not thinking about their thinking. They're just thinking. They're going with the first thing that shows up in their head. And most of the time that's, it just, it's followed by what comes out of their mouth. Mm -hmm. So we talk about language a lot, Joe. And when we say language, we're referring to our internal dialogue and our external dialogue. What we think, what we say, and what we write. Most people's language is unbeknownst to them. And this is an education issue. I was an elementary school sports teacher before I got involved in this. I've got a degree in education. Most people's language, unbeknownst to them, is working against them. It tricks them into being innocent spectators in their own life, innocent bystanders, and um, that 
is existentially terrifying and also stressful. And then when we add in some of the more, hmm, what word would I use to say, pardon me, wanted to say uh, nasty language patterns. How about just um, volatile, inflammatory? There's a, there's a good word. You know, since we're talking about uh, you know, the cannabinoid system and stuff, the fl- inflammatory language patterns, projections. You add some projections in there. So there's three main pillars of language in the in lifted method, which is what Procabulary kickstarted. I've, I'm the co-founder and head coach of Enlifted. We certify coaches on how to dismantle the victim mentality and then what to do with their clients once they've done that. And it's the second language-focused training brand that I've co-founded. The other one was Procabulary. And in that system, there's three language patterns, three pillars that that are used 85% of the time when people script the victim villain mental imagery, the victim mentality. If, if it's okay, this is a good place to get the definition of the victim mentality on the table. Is that Please is that okay? do. Oh, yeah. So everybody, most people have never heard the definition of the victim mentality, much less written it down. And so uh, if you have a pen and a piece of paper handy, I recommend writing this down because you'll get even more out of your, your time listening to us. It's the whole 30, 50, 80 thing. We remember 30% of what we hear, 50% of what we write, and 80% of what we teach or share. So pen to paper, and you get an extra 20%. I'll take an extra 20%. The victim mentality is an acquired personality trait where a person tends to regard himself or herself as the victim of the negative actions of others, even in the absence of clear evidence. The victim mentality depends on a habitual thought process and attributions. I took a little bit out of the middle. That's the verbatim definition of the victim mentality. I'm going to speed it up and do that again and add a little context. The victim mentality is an acquired personality trait where a person tends, it's a tendency. Sometimes it's up, sometimes it's down. A person tends to regard himself or herself as the victim of the negative actions of others, even in the absence of clear evidence. Yes, we can skew our perception to fit what we want to see. It's called confirmation bias. The victim mentality depends, underline that word, folks, on a habitual thought process and attributions. That second sentence is a bullseye. It depends. The victim mentality depends, as in it has to have a habitual thought process and attributions. What's an attribution? It's a characteristic. The main attribution is breathing. Victim conflict language creating victim centricities in people's identities, the victim mentality. And we're not talking about victims. This is not victim blaming. This is victim mentality explaining. Those are two very different things. Breath trapped in the chest, super easy to see the world through, you know, lens of everybody's, you can't get ahead these days, you know, got to look out for number one, you know, everybody's so much farther along than me and it, all the stuff, right? And so habitual, th- the victim mentality depends on a habitual thought process. Habitual, accurate, accurately implies duration and addiction. And then thought process, well, what's that? 
at certain words used repeatedly over time. You know, you, you, you're just using the word addiction. That's exactly what it is. You know, there's the typical addictions to what someone would say, alcohol or drugs or, or right now, YouTube, video games, their devices, but also, yes, people can get addicted to a story and an idea and a thought process and, and their own little dictionary of words that they use. And so how do we break out of that? By thinking about our thinking, the fastest way, the best way, the easiest way to think about our thinking is to write things down and not look at the words or excuse me, not believe the words. So journaling, most people, most journaling is, it, it, of course, it can be helpful. It can also be neutral. It can also be a ne negative, especially if you write down a, a, a crappy story and you allow yourself to believe it. Okay. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, there's a big difference between that. So you, you, you get the victim centric story in writing. He did that to me or she did that to me, or I need them to respect me more. Yeah. There's the proof there. That's right. Versus write the story down and, and think about your thinking as in, look at the words look at the words instead of yeah. allowing yourself to believe the words. And it can, it's a, I'm not, it's a simple process in one sense in sense. Uh, and it is challenging in another, especially when we get into the projection words, the projection. Oh, yeah. yeah. Cause that's where the venom's at everybody. That's where the bitterness is at. What are projections? Glad you asked. So, <laughs> um, the three pillars, I'll go over the three pillars, soft talk, negations, and projections. Real quick, soft talk. What is that? Okay. Thinks, maybes, mights, almost likes, sort ofs, guesses, hopefullys, one days, tries. Those words profoundly influence someone's ability to create confidence, competence, make decisions, and move forward. They're really good at helping people create anxiety, indecision, and other flavors of stress, okay? And um, my favorite quote, <laughs> my favorite quote about soft, well, it's not directly, but so it's, it's about the outcome of soft talk. Malmodius said, I prefer the fear of making the wrong decision to the terror of indecision. Amen. And, um, amen, right? And the indecision comes from soft talk. It's, you get those words in there. I, I think I might be procrastinating <laughs> or it's, I, I guess I'm avoiding her. Take out the guess. You know, you're doing it. Mm -hmm. I'm probably drinking too much coffee. <laughs> no, you know, you're drinking too much. Take out the probably and own it. And if cool, if you want to keep drinking that much, drink much, just own what you're doing. You'll feel better. Trust me. <laughs> yeah. So there's the soft talk. And then there's negations. My driving teacher said when I got in the car uh, 35 years ago, he said, look where you want to go because you're probably going to go there. Interesting, right? Mm -hmm. And same thing with everything else. Negations. Won'ts, isn'ts, haven'ts, nots, shouldn'ts, can'ts. 
force us to stare at the worst case scenario over and over again. Now, most people know somebody who's like really good at worrying. Do you know somebody who's real? My grandmother was a third degree black belt. Oh yeah. Worrying. She was the, she was at the top of the game and she used a ton of, a ton of negations. Well, and it's also like they're worrying for me out of love. Take out the like. <laughs> look, 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 look what just happened there. It's like they're worrying for me out of love. Take out the like. Yeah. They're worrying for me out of love. Take out of and put in for. They're worrying for me for love. My grandmother did the exact same thing. She, oh, I'm so worried about you and give me a bunch of reasons and then expect me to be grateful for her misery. Yeah. It's fucking weird. Yeah. When I lived in Italy, my grandmother would just tell me, I just, I just worry about you until you're back on Texas soil. I'm like, well, don't, please don't do that. Exactly. Hey, grandma, how about you make, make some fantastic pictures of me super succeeding and knocking it out of the park and tell me what that looks like in your imagination. Yeah. And here's the thing though. They need different words to be able to make those different pictures. Mm-hmm. And if all you got is a certain way of using your words, you get what you get, regardless if you like it or not. Yeah. Well, which brings me to the one, the thing that I told you I was so excited to talk to you about on this show is the words that are used to describe cannabis and cannabis culture and, and plant medicine and, you know, our lifestyle, they're terrible words. And in fact, whenever, you know, early on, whenever I was like, okay, I'm going to get into the cannabis industry and left Italy, got a car, I drove out to California. And in those early days when I would go to one of the conferences that was happening, I would describe myself as a functional stoner and kept getting people in the business setting who would say, well, nobody wants to give money to a stoner. Doesn't matter if you're functional stoner. So I was like, yeah, stoner is kind of a terrible word. So what would I call myself if I'm not a functional stoner? That's where casually baked came from. I was like, okay, well, I'm casually baked. It sounds better. It still means I'm functionally high. You know, the word weed, I use the word flower. I'd rather smoke flour than smoke weed. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I just, I find it interesting, the words that our culture has used for so long and like, okay, we've moved into the modern cannabis culture. Let's give ourselves new vocabulary. So I hear when you like, um, I'm a, I'm a functional stoner. I'm I'm functional. (laughs) You just take out the stoner. I'm functional. Mm -hmm. That would be a very interesting exercise. And I'm very happy to go back and forth with you about it. Uh, Ryan Sprague, he's a level three and lifted coach. He knows the words back, back to front, right? So he can assist write out all the negative quote unquote negative sentences. Um, and a lot of them are going to, it's going to be antiquated language, you know, dope. My dad used to call it dope. (laughs) Write out all the, all those sentences and words and stories and look at them. That's where it all starts is looking at the words instead of believing the words. I tell our coaches all the time, do not believe your client's story. Do not do that. Observe their story. 
there's a very big difference. Get the words on paper and observe the story as a, as opposed to believing the story. Mm-hmm. Um, Marijuana was a, a word that was created to talk about cannabis and it had a very negative connotation. So as these medical programs open up across the country and you have these programs, they're medical marijuana programs. And so they've inserted this word that had a negative meaning for so long, but making someone feel like they shouldn't participate in it. I'm like, it's a medical cannabis program. You don't, did you just need the two M's because you thought it sounded better? But it, you know, the word marijuana is a triggering word in our country because of what happened with prohibition. So, you know, just those little simple things like that, or, you know, even, and these aren't necessarily stigmatized words, but how indica and sativa, these are the only two words that people know how to, in kind of the gen pop, how to describe the type of cannabis flower that they have, where that's really not the best categorization of it. We have terpene profiles. We have various cannabinoids. There's, there's other things that are going to determine what's going to be the best flower for you versus, well, it's indica in the couch or sativa. It's going to be, you know, get me going. You know, it's just in these- the couch. <laughs> so, in the couch this is good this is this, that's yeah okay sorry go ahead but seriously i mean that's how we've got professionals that are describing it to a customer that comes in so i i would love for us as a culture to be able to modernize our vocabulary maybe and i'm gonna ryan yeah. is gonna be on the show yeah maybe ryan and i can do this together if i may make a suggestion for that Write out a list of all the antiquated or quote unquote negative, uh, or you could maybe just go top 10. Hey, everybody, got Ryan Sprague on Casually Baked. We got the top 10 not so greatest hits for the cannabis industry, and we're going to translate them. We're going to change out some words. That would be, and then you have that, and then you send that over to him so he can noodle on it beforehand. I don't smoke, and I'd like to listen to that. So I used to smoke. I used to smoke as much as possible in high school and college. I sold it. I was like, I, I was team. And um, I moved to Thailand for 10 years and I come back and the game has changed completely. The stuff's so strong. It's so much prettier too. It's so much prettier and smells so much better. And one, um, and I've tried a, a variety of different things. Anyway, just to get that on the table, as someone who's pro cannabis and doesn't negation acknowledge smoke, I'd listen to you and Ryan translate that. And then I was thinking when you said um, medical marijuana, I wonder. I, I bet they they researched the crap out of that out of those words. I wonder if they were going after the um, the alliteration. The senior citizens, the people that were familiar with the word marijuana to begin with and wouldn't know what cannabis was. I don't know. I felt like they just thought the MM sounded better without putting much actual thought into it. That could be the case too, of course. 
But I'm, I'm not sure. I'm ha- yeah. I, who knows? But it, these are the things that I'm like, okay, well, shoot. After I've learned what I did through the vocabulary course, I'm like, this is important to think about because I'm trying to usher in, let's see, soft talk. I'm ushering in a, nice catch. a thanks, a different version of the cannabis culture and lifestyle. I've just kind of been like, okay, those things are not me. I don't identify with those things. Mm-hmm. So I've just started pushing forward with, I make up my own vocabulary. You know, highly responsible is something that I use a lot. It's being able to consume cannabis without burdening other people's experience, being able to take your own medicine and and not have any sort of ill effect on the others around you and still be able to function at your peak. I'm highly responsible. That's highly responsible behavior because I didn't know how else to do it because that's who I am as a human. So I'm like, okay, Casually Baked is going to be that brand, that voice that's showing you. I'm going to lead by example that this is what it looks like to use cannabis as medicine and be a human that is doing good in the world and is being of service and is not on my couch eating potato chips, gaining a hundred pounds. In the couch. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it, these have been just the baby steps that I've been taking over the past eight years, just intuitively. But now when I learn the power of the words that we say and how we put that out into the world, I'm like, yeah, this needs to be something that the whole of our industry starts thinking about and using better words. And you're already doing it. You're already doing it with casually baked. And I mean, who better to do it than you? Yeah. I've been saying that a lot lately. Yeah. It makes perfect sense to me. What was the, what was the sentence? I got most of it that that you, you shared with me to begin with. Yes. So when we were diving into projections and this idea of learned helplessness, I was thinking, oh, wow, our industry right now is being taken over by big corporations. A lot of the farmers and small business owners that I know are losing their licenses and jobs because they can't keep up. So, the sentence that I have that I repeat a lot that I was like, oh gosh, Mark needs to help me recraft the sentence is that big money is taking over the cannabis industry and killing craft cannabis. I'm writing that down. Big money is taking over the cannabis industry. And killing craft cannabis mm-hmm. and killing craft cannabis. Okay. Uh, how's this sound for an approach? I'll front load a, a little information about the reticular activating system, yes. which, is, which is a very important component of the conversation of how our words influence us for better and for worse on a mechanical macro level. And then we'll come down here and make some adjustments with the words and see what happens. Okay. Okay? Mm -hmm. And, and then 
Uh, so the, remember, there's three pillars, everybody. Uh, so I'm right in the middle. So uh, we talked about soft talk, right in the middle of talking about negations, okay, and then sure. we'll finish with projections. So give everybody some practical, technical, tactical stuff. Does that sound good for an approach? Yeah, it sounds great. Cool. So my car got stolen in uh, 2018. I was walking out the door, going to give a presentation, and I'm one of those people that is on time. Most of the time, I'm early. And so I'm walking out the door early, practicing, okay, rehearsing uh, in my head. I walk over to where I parked my car the night before, and there's nothing but space. Glorious space. I remember the feeling, Joe. I would have loved to have my face on video because it probably looked something <laughs> like it was like it was a slow process to get from A to B, like like my one eye eyes twitching and and then it clicked into place. Someone stole my car. So I call the police and I say, help. And they say, hold on, buddy. We're coming. And then I call my dad. True story. I say, Dad, somebody stole my SUV. I've got stuff to do. Uh, this is in Richmond, Virginia. I need the farm truck. So I go out to the farm. We have a farm in the middle of Virginia. And I get one of my father's prized possessions. A 1985 Ford F-150. Two tones of brown. He bought it brand new off the showroom floor. It's still in mint condition. We call it brown and browner. <laughs> And I, oh yeah, and I drove Brown and Browner into Richmond, Virginia, and in a matter of one day, I started seeing 1985-ish Ford F-150s all over the place. I saw three in two city blocks, and most people have had that experience too. They buy a new car, and then they start seeing the same car out and about. Have you ever had that experience, Joe? Oh yeah, Joe? for sure. What was the car? Um, mine was a Honda Civic EX, my first car that my parents bought me. And let me guess, you get that car and you start seeing all kinds of Honda Civic EXs out and about, right? Oh, for sure. For you're sure. Like, you're like, where are these Honda Civic EXs coming from? They were always there, folks. So we have this thing. It's called the reticular activating system. It's a piece of hardware in your brain. I highly recommend looking it up. And it is at the same time, it's a lens and a filter. So it's a lens. It's a lens and it's a filter. And it has a search function and an edit function. When something gets deemed important, it goes on a search mission to find the thing, find more of the thing. And whatever is not the thing gets edited out. So while I was finding more 1985-ish Ford F-150s. I don't remember seeing any white vans or blue Oldsmobiles because it wasn't the thing. My reticular activating system was actively editing it out. This has been studied out the wazoo. The most famous study about this is a technical term. It's called inattentional blindness. It's a mouthful. These two social psychologists, they took seven college kids called the Invisible Gorilla Study. You can still see the original video on YouTube. They dressed three of them in white, three of them in black, and one in a gorilla costume. 
and they gave the white team two basketballs, the black team two basketballs, and had them pass the basketballs back and forth to the members of their own team for one minute. That was the entirety of the video. 30 seconds in, they had the student in the gorilla costume walk into the middle of that, turn, look at the camera, beat his chest, and walk out. That was the one-minute video. And they showed that one-minute video to thousands, tens of thousands of people, and they directed their attention. They gave them something to focus on. Stage magicians know this. People that write the news know this. They directed their attention, and they said, count how many times the people in white passed the basketballs back and forth. Spoiler alert, correct answer is 15. And then once they see the video, then they ask them afterwards, second question, oh, by the way, did you happen to see the gorilla? 55 0, 50% of people edit out something so seemingly obvious as a great. And when you go back and watch it, you're like, there's no way anyone would miss that. 50% because the reticular activating system edits it out. Now, let's make this a little more contextual. Okay. And then we'll get to this sentence. So, our language, again, language, internal dialogue, external dialogue. The question is, does the reticular activating system only work for trucks and Honda Civic EXs and students in gorilla costumes, or is our language influencing the lens that we see things through? Here's two stories, a tale of two stories. I'm going to do this quick. And can I drop an F-bomb? I've already dropped one F-bomb. Of course. Okay, great. Because yes. I'm going to drop another one because it's part of the story <laughs> and it helps. Right? Okay. And it's, it happened. So this woman, here's a, a tale of words forcing her to see things in a certain way, in a certain negative light. This woman comes in. She's about 30. She sits down. She was very self-aware. She said, I'm struggling in my marriage. My husband thinks I'm attractive. I refuse to believe him. I know when it got started. I just don't know what to do about it. Oh, tell me more. She's 10 years old. They go to grandma's house. They pull up at grandma's house. They walk in the back door, and as soon as she gets in the back door, her great aunt is standing right there and leans down and goes, My, you have a big nose, just like me. I put a spell on you. Yeah, thanks for that. Little girl <laughs> runs into the bathroom. What do you think the first thing she looked at was when she got in there? Her nose. Her nose, which is, of course, no bigger physically now than it was five seconds ago. But in her imagination, she's got a honker, which means she's ugly. And the reticular activating system is impartial. It's like it's it, whatever you want, it goes and does it. The RAS goes, oh, okay, great. Uh, you're ugly. Um, so I'm going to go find all of the other flaws and magnify them and force you to stare at them over and over again. And all of your the positive attributes, I'm going to minimize them and dismiss them. Okay? Remember the definition of the victim mentality, even in the absence of clear evidence? The reticular activating system will doctor evidence. It will omit evidence. It, it will also plant evidence to confirmation bias to maintain the, the position, whatever the opinion is. And then, and then so she grows up and she's got this story and the RAS in place. That's an acronym for the reticular activating system. And her, her husband's like, damn, baby, you look good. She goes, you don't really believe that. And then you think that's going to cause some problems? Yes, yes, it does. Fortunately, it goes both ways. There are, we're fine, I'll do it. We already talked about abracadabra. You all know what the definition of a spell is. 
Webster's definition, not mine. Webster's definition of a spell is a word or a combination of words of great influence. That's it. And my, you have a big nose just like me, is a combination of words that greatly influenced her for worse in a constricting manner. Same thing with no one will ever really love me. That's a combination of words that constricts and controls. Or how about um, you, you can never get ahead these days. Combination of words, constricting manner. Yeah. There are also expansive spells. 2014, I'm giving a workshop at a festival. This guy's setting up a booth right there. He heard the whole thing. Afterwards, he comes over and he's like, man, that was cool. You want a story about that? And I'm like, yeah, of course. And he said, my grandfather took me out in the backyard when I was 12 years old. And he said, little Johnny, life's wild. There's ups and downs and twists and turns and zigs and zags. And you're going to get some stuff right. You're going to get some stuff wrong. Just always remember to err on the side of being a badass motherfucker. (laughs) And he said, my whole life changed in a minute. A second. He said, I looked up. Things are looking up. And I saw myself as capable and confident. He said, I took this big breath in and I just felt like I got bigger. And he goes, you know, I make a lot of mistakes and I go after what I want and I like being me. That's called winning. Yeah. And and so that his those words influenced how he saw himself and his place in the world and what he could do and what he uh, all the all the things. And so our language is influence abracadabra with our words we create with our words we influence with our words do one more thing as far as the technical uh, framework of the conversation and then we'll get to this sentence. Our language influences four key aspects of our experience of ourselves. Our imagination, our posture, talk yourself into a bad mood and stay there. Watch what happens. You, your, your body will adopt it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Talk yourself into a good mood and watch what happens. It's a, yeah. You present mm-hmm. yourself different. Imagination, posture, feelings and emotions, and breathing. And it influences those four key aspects of our of ourself instantaneously, super consistent, and instantaneously. So, allow me to read this. Big money is taking over the cannabis industry and killing craft cannabis. That's it. Mm-hmm. When you say that, think that, hear me read that. What what does the picture look like? What what kind of picture do you see? <sighs> see the uh, breath come out t- right there, everybody? I get a tightness in my chest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I see giant football field size grows with people spraying shit on mm-hmm. cannabis. <laughs> and I see a bunch of farmers that are struggling. Got it. Okay. Remember, everybody, I'm not making this shit up. Okay, words influence pictures, feelings, breathing, and body posture, also known as the amount of rigidity, tension you have or lack thereof in the body. Got it? It, Your words influence your body. And what kind of feeling does that create? So we got the big picture of the football fields of spraying. I heard the breath come out, so I already know that part. Um, What kind of energy feeling does it create? 
one of helplessness. Helplessness. Got it. And how's your body respond? Does it relax or constrict? No, it constricts. Totally tenses up. Big money is taking over the cannabis industry and killing craft cannabis. Put the word some after over. Some of. Big money is taking over some of the cannabis industry. Keep going and killing. And killing craft cannabis. I'm getting the slow nod over there. We put two words in there, some of. What Big happens when you say, say the full sentence again for shits and giggles? Big money is taking over some of the cannabis industry and killing craft cannabis. Is that sentence more or less accurate? Mm, I mean, I think if I said the majority, it would be more accurate. Okay. Um, perfect. Put it in there. We're, we're here for accuracy. Yeah. It's not to cheer anybody up. That's low-level yeah. shit. <laughs> so, well, it really is. Yeah. Big money is taking over the majority of the cannabis industry and killing craft cannabis. What happens to the picture when you put in the majority? There's a sliver of hope in there. What happens to your feelings and emotions when you put um, the word majority in there? Um, I think it's instead of being uh, yeah, probably more anger yeah, than anxiety. Okay. okay. More which anger you, than <laughs> Got it. Okay, which do you prefer, anger or anxiety? Anger I think is probably higher up on the vibrational scale. Uh, you you get more done being angry. <laughs> yeah. You get more done being angry. If I had to pick, I mean, there if like if those are my only two choices, give me the anger. I can deal with that. There's angry old man. Angry old man. You can you can live a long time being angry. Not so much being anxious. Yeah. That's like that's there's you're not no one has good stories of chronic anxiety. But chronic anxiety got me to travel around the world and ha no, it's like, I'll take, anyway, that's just me. Well, no, I agree. I do agree. And yeah, I and mean. What happens to your breath? I heard a little bit of that. Uh, the sigh? Yeah. Majority uh, instead of the whole thing. Instead of the whole fucking thing. It's a majority. She said it. Sliver of hope. Crack in the door. Yeah. All right, you ready? Okay, so that was a, that was a crack in the door. Mm -hmm. Are you ready to take a what I'm assuming to be a very large step into the room? Amen. Let's do it. It could be a step too far. I don't know. We'll see. We're going to find out. Okay. <laughs> right? Because that's the thing. I don't I don't help people with their language to make statements true. That's low level. I help people change their words uh, to find out what the best fit is for them today. Okay, because I've got no skin in the game in any in, in any interaction with people's words. Mm -hmm. um, it's all about what they prefer, because otherwise, then I'm in the arena of thinking that I know what you need to think. And I don't know what you need to think. I wouldn't want to know what you need to think. It'd be weird if I could know what know <laughs> what you needed to think. And it would be even weirder if I wanted to know what you needed to think. Yeah, I Get agree. It? Uh-huh, totally. Okay, so repeat our new sentence. This is fun. Are you having fun? I am having fun. Yeah, me too. Yes. 
Me too. Thanks for having me on. Repeat the sentence with majority in it, please. Big money is taking over the majority of the cannabis industry and killing craft cannabis. I, we're just going to go full 180. For, humor me. Scratch out killing and put in birthing. Big money is taking over the majority of the cannabis industry and birthing craft cannabis. I don't know if y'all can see the video, but her face did something quite interesting. She goes, "Yeah, what just happened? What just happened when you put birthing in there?" Well, I, I, I think in my mind, take out the thing. In my mind, <laughs> it's like, hmm, there's crafty people that will figure out. A way around this. Breathe. <sighs> Hear the oh, come out. Say it. Say that again. There's crap. There's crafty. Yeah, big money is taking over the majority of the cannabis industry, yet birthing craft cannabis. Breathe in. <sighs> say this. <sighs> what you just said. There's there's crafty people that are gonna that and fill it out what you said. I remember what you said. There's crafty people that are going to figure this thing out. Yeah. Say that again. There are crafty people that will figure this out. Breathe in. Breathe out. (sighs) One more time. Same sentence. There are crafty people that will figure this out. Watch this, everybody. (sighs) See that first word? There. Take out the first, take off the first letter. Here. Okay. (laughs) It's still early. Here are crafty people that will figure this out. What happened when you went from there to here? Because let me guess. There's over there and here's right here. Yeah. Who's right here? You're right here. Me. Me. (laughs) (laughs) and now here's all the responsibility coming in which pushes a whole other set of buttons and issues which is great to clean up too that's the whole thing about we're talking now now we're starting to get into the conversation of real goal setting okay my favorite quote about goals is set a goal so large you can only achieve it when you've become the person that can and a, and a real goal, it should it should help you. And you, nobody likes the process the whole time. A good goal, if you're up for it, will help you burn off dead wood of your character. And that's why most people don't go after big goals. That's why most people prefer soft talk because I can just soft talk my indica's got nothing on couch and motherfuckers <laughs> when it comes to soft talk. Nothing. Nothing. Give me, give me a pound of indica and solid talk and watch what I go do, and I don't even smoke. I dig it. It definitely feels way more empowering. Even it if is. It, even if it means that it's me, but I also know that I'm highly networked. <laughs> exactly. So you're, it changed the lens, let me guess. Those words changed the lens, and now you're seeing other things, other opportunities. 
that's exactly what this whole conversation has been about for the whole time we've been having it. Is our words influence? It's like it's like a pair of binoculars. So the reticular activating system. It's a lens. A little bit better of analogy. It's a pair of binoculars, and our words bring things into focus and push things out of focus. And when you know how to play with the words, your mom's your mom told you don't play with your food. Mark Anglin is telling you play with your words. Use the words to bring things in focus and push things out of focus. And if you don't like what you're staring at, change the words you're using that are forcing you to stare at the thing you don't like staring at. Don't blame yeah. somebody else. Now, the one thing else that I want to talk about that's scientific in this whole process is the myelination. Mm-hmm. So explain that a little bit, and then that way we can talk about the importance of breaking that cycle. Yeah, for sure. So um, I am a big-time, huge, non-book-recommended person. I rarely do it, and I recommend a book. It's called The Talent Code by Daniel Coyle. For So we've run 35 level one certifications for Enlifted. The first 22, the talent code was required reading. Now it's recommended reading. The two reasons that we've used it so much, it's an easy, fun book to read, great storytelling about talent acquisition and how people learn and how to re um uh uh identify it's not quite the right word um a failure and what it is versus what it really is versus what people most people think it is and then also it goes into um in very digestible understandable ways the neuroscience of learning okay and one of the here here's the basics of the basics once a, a thought or an action uh, both has taken place, a network, a neural network has formed. And the more that we think the thing and do the thing, this stuff called myelin, the process is called myelination. This stuff called myelin starts to, to form around the neural synaptic network. Don't I sound smart? And over time, it, it grows and gets thicker and thicker and thicker. All you need to do is think of it as insulation on the wires in your house. The better insulated the wires, the, the, the easier time electricity has tra- passing through the wires, the, the less resistant. So as the insulation grows, we get better and better and better at whatever the thing is. And it goes both ways. So my grandmother was better at worrying at 60 than she was at 30. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And someone, it's why someone is better playing tennis in their 10th year than they are in their 10th month because they've got th- this skill set, which has a mirrored network, sur- n- neural, neural network. Yeah, those fucking, I don't, I don't, yeah, these words are too big for me. In the head, and it gets set. And whatever networks fire together, wire together. So it gets wired together and then it gets insulated and you get, you don't have to think about the forehand so much or at all. You get to pay attention to all the other stuff. Um, And this, like I said, this is, it could be a net positive, net negative. The victim mentality depends as in it has to have on a habitual thought process, habitual addiction. So 
when somebody has repped the victim mentality so many times, they're really good at it. They don't have to think about doing it. It's just this knee-jerk reaction. They've got a black belt in the art of creating victim-villain mental imagery in their head. And, and that is part of the reason why changing stories can take some elbow grease. Okay, When you add the breathing into the conversation with using different and better words – then you expedite the process of breaking those old networks and, and creating new ones. The, the breath really is the key. We're known, everybody. We're known as the language people. We might as well be known as the language and the breathing people. And gun to head, it's about the breath. Okay, I'm here to help create space and clarity, not know what you need to know or think I know what you need to think. I'm here to help use your words so you unlock your breathing, create space and clarity in your imagination and um, – have more fun. Enjoy being yourself more. I go on rants and tangents professionally. This is my 330th podcast. Well, okay. So this, the myelination thing, whenever I was listening and learning about that in my head, the visualization was us driving down my road where I grew up and you get these ruts in the road. And if you get a big rain and then they get deeper. And so then you stay in these tracks and you just keep running the same track. And then when you decide you maybe want to get out of it, it damn near feels like you're wrecking your car getting out of that rut. That's what it feels like, this compulsion to continue down the same path. And then when you want to change it, it feels painful. Fantastic analogy. And she's right. Sometimes, often, depend, the, especially the, the, the size of the dragon, it feels painful changing. But you know what? That ain't shit compared to bumping up into the same thing or staying in the same rut you know, for three or four decades. That's nothing. Compared. That's real pain. That's real pain, everybody. That's the real scary shit. I'll take a, I'll take some sting right now versus whoops right at the end. That's that freaks me out. That's the only thing that I want want to be scared of is a deathbed regret. Hence, hence I do what I do. Yeah. So you know, breaking the cycle to create better stories yeah. takes a lot of practice. Or somebody that knows what to do with a pen and a piece of paper. But that means pick up, picking up the pen and the piece yeah. of paper. Yeah. And Which can feel like it weighs 900 pounds. Yes, I understand that. Yeah. And that, to me, is where I walk the walk. I try to – I lead by example. I live an inspired life mm. because I want to motivate others to do that for themselves. However, I can't pick up the pen and paper for someone else. So it's continuing to lead by example and hope and pray that I'm inspiring others to, to stop the madness and, and live their best life. And to me, there's a lot of the victim mentality in our industry based on how it's been going. And I would just hope that this conversation inspires people to pick up the pen and paper and write down a new future of our industry. 
And if they do that and if they really, really go there, they're going to get into the history of themselves as in stuff that doesn't seem like has any relation to the cannabis industry. Go pick up the pen, everybody, and go get those, those really scary stories. Entitle them and write them out conversationally. If you have any questions on how to do that, message me on Instagram at Enlifted Coaches. We're open, completely open source with our coaching tech for a couple of reasons. One, it's the good juju. And two, our coaching technology is platinum standard. Um, and a couple things come to mind on that. So that was one of them. And two, you know, you can, you just, what you, what you said, you know, I can just hope and pray that other people, uh, there's one level to it. And there's another level after that. 2020, when all that fun lockdown shit was happening, I was driving out to go see some friends and I'm on the phone with one of our level two coaches out there in Portland who was freaking out and he goes, what are you going to do? I sat there and thought about it. This is exactly what came out of my mouth and it's true. I said, I don't care if a thermonuclear warhead is about to land on my fucking face. I'm doing what I'm going to do. I'm doing the work. I'm going to get up and I'm going to send the emails and I'm going to teach the classes and I'm going to go on the podcast. Regardless of anyone else on planet Earth does, I'm doing what I'm going to do and that gives me existential comfort. So um, you can, if you want to, Joe, hope and pray that other people or you can just go do what you're going to do and do what you're going to do. True. And I do. And I do. And what you said earlier stuck out in my head that whenever they do put pen to paper, it's got to be about them first because we can't do anything for the industry or for our community or for our family if we don't get it right for ourselves. Yeah, this brings up another important thing. Um, I read my first David Icke book in 2005, if anyone's familiar with that what that ails. So let's just say conspiracy stuff. And what I've noticed is that when anyone takes on, it's not, let's just not go exclusive. Most of the time when people take on bigger, big stuff and they've yet to clear out their, their own personal stories, their victim mentality gets inflamed because they not only do now, now they've got an even bigger boogie monster. They've got the government or big whatever or big yeah. pharma or big mm-hmm. agriculture, big ag or uh, the banks or the Illuminati or whatever. And and if those bullying stories are still in, in there from middle school or the stories of your parents fighting or the story of the parents divorce, all that stuff, the who knows what it is, all the different flavors of stories that ouch and pain and sting and woe. If that's still in there, then those heavier, bigger adult stories, it pushes all those buttons too and it further entrenches the victim mentality. So, and then, and then the flip side of that, go in there and clean house and change some words and get a breath practice and, you know, get out there, get some sunshine. What a crazy thing to do and uh, hang around people that are smiling and laughing and pr- productive and, you know, do a, do a good piece of work on your own story and smoke some cannabis some flour, and then you're the example of someone who's healthy and happy and smoking cannabis. Here I am. Oh, you're over there on 19 medications, obese and 
waving a Biden flag or a Trump flag or a who fucking cares flag. And I'm, I'm like, yeah, it's, it's that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I had a conversation with someone who told me that my cannabis consumption wasn't attractive. And I was like, well, when I was in my 20s and I was on antidepressants and muscle relaxers and sleeping pills and I couldn't have an orgasm and I was 50 pounds heavier, I don't think I was very attractive then. Did you tell them that? Yes. Phenomenal. Phenomenal (laughs) comeback. What did they do? Just fumbled on their words. Yeah, what could they do? Yeah, exactly. And you know what? There are people out there that say, your cannabis consumption is attractive. Yeah. (laughs) Go find those people. Hopefully I'm a magnet to those people. Yeah. Well, I have appreciated this chat, and I know that other people might want to learn the Unlifted Method um, My rants and tangents. How did you put up with me for an hour? <laughs> you know, I, rants and tangents are are a language that I speak, so I was a okay with it. Now, I do want to make sure that we plug your podcast and your Enlifted courses. So, if people want to uh, get on board with the Enlifted method, where do we send them? Enlifted.me. That's the website for the certifications. So I'm the head coach. I deliver all the trainings. Uh, where it starts is we certify people in how to dismantle the victim mentality. That's what level one's all about. Equal parts, personal, professional development. So we take a bite out of crime of that story for you on a personal level, and you learn the tools how to facilitate that same wonderful piece of transformation for other people. And we got a podcast too. It's for the language people that like words. Get inlifted. Yeah. Now you aren't. I've listened to the podcast multiple times. Nice. And it is not your voice that I hear on there. Are you on the podcast very often or not? I go on about every six weeks, Joe. Okay. So that's Kimberly. Kimberly Casting. She's one of our team members, full-time employee. That's She's the podcast host. She curates the guests and it's it's her thing and she's phenomenal at it. Yeah, um, she is. Yeah, she's a great voice, just like yours. I got on here and you great equipment, great voice, Joe. You sound fantastic. And yeah, we have a lot of fun on that podcast. Yeah, I'll go on there every, you know, six weeks, two months. Make an appearance, you know. I love it that there's stuff running that I don't, I'm, I don't have anything to do with. You know. I look forward to having that in my own life. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate who you are and what you do. And it was such a blessing to meet you the way we did. And um, and thank you for introducing me to Ryan. I will be recording a show with him and we will take this to a, a little different level with him since we'll have oh, yeah. two cannabis folks. Yeah, I told sure. him I, that I, I wanted us to talk about a full spectrum life. So we will. Great, great title. Thank and you. when I'm back in Lockhart, I'll come and get a coffee. I'll take one hit. I'll take one <laughs> hit of the weakest <laughs> you can find. Okay. Well, I'll have to special order something for you then. Yeah, yeah, please. <laughs> please. Like I, I, get, I get high off of CBD flour. You know, I did have someone, I had given them some full spectrum CBD gel caps Mm -hmm. and these are 
they're 50 milligrams. And I take one in the morning, one in the evening, sometimes one in the middle of the day if I'm having a lot of inflammation issues. And they pulled me aside and they're like, I I took that before I came to work. And about 45 minutes into my shift, I felt high. I felt uncomfortable. Like, um, do people know that I'm high right now? And it didn't even dawn on me that this, I mean, because I don't feel anything, but that's because I'm consuming much more THC. But yeah, that some of the CBD, if it's full spectrum, people that have sensitive systems, they're a cheap date. I'm a cheap date. That's the the thing I keep observing. Anyway, yeah, yeah. we'll 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 talk about that in Lockhart. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you so much for your time and for sharing the wisdom of procabulary. I mean, my pleasure. Abracadabra, my friend. I'm excited for you to play with your words and notice their power. And I hope you're inspired to share this with your smoke circle, because it is way more fun to grow together. I also encourage you to join me in creating better language around one of the most healing plants known to humankind. Head over to the podcast 244 show notes at casuallybaked.com and leave a comment of antiquated words or phrases about cannabis and cannabis culture that could really use a makeover. While you're there, learn more about Mark England and the Enlifted Method. Because you, my friend, are a powerful creator, and ain't nobody got time for that victim mentality. And if you're interested in networking, business collaborations, or wellness lifestyle coaching, email your messages, requests, or can of curious questions through the website at casuallybaked.com. Or you can always DM me on social. When I'm there, I'm at Casually Baked on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and Truth Social. However you decide to support our community and this highly responsible cannabis movement, thank you for doing your part to Puff Puff Pass It On. Yes, it's a high time. We had a high time together. Casually Baked, the podcast was created, recorded, and produced by yours truly, Editing and sound design are in the capable hands of Jamie Humiston at PodConnects. The podcast theme music is by my highly talented friend, Seth Walker. If you aren't familiar with Seth's music, you can find High Time on his album, Gotta Get Back, wherever you're buying your music these days. I know he didn't create High Time for me, but it sure as shit sounds like he did, right? I hope you'll tune in next time. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey there, this is Cheryl Murray Powell Esquire, and I'm the host of the Terps in the City podcast. I am a cannabis agricultural dietary supplement and trade attorney. I'm also a hemp farmer, and I've been recently named to the list of High Times Magazine's top 100 influencers in cannabis. I'm inviting you to follow me along my journey as I move back to New York to support the adult use market there. You're going to get a chance to listen to conversations with some of my friends along the way. I look forward to seeing you at Terps in the City.